Before we start today's podcast, a quick heads up on Sherlock's VIP club. From restaurants, bars and hotels to beauty, wellness and shopping, Sherlock's partners with some of London's best destinations and hottest brands to bring its VIPs exclusive monthly offers. So why not sign up? It'll cost you just £5 a month or £50 for the year. Use your card once or twice and you'll have made that amount back in no time. For more information, visit sherlocksvip.com. Welcome to the Sherlock Highlights podcast with me, Charlotte Collins. This week, I'm joined by Becky Hull, Heather Steele, and Polly Sayer. Hi, everyone. Hello. Hi. Oh, so jolly. <laughs> How is everybody? What have you all been up to? Good. Yeah, I had a very nice, chilled weekend, actually. I hibernated from the rain. <laughs> and I was just saying to you, Charlotte, I watched a show called Pure on Channel 4. Mm-hmm. I don't know if anyone's I remember heard of this. It came out last year, I think. It's about a Scottish lady. It's about a Scottish girl. It's played by Charlie Clive. Yeah. And she is somebody who suffers with obsessive compulsive disorder. And it's really funny. It sounds like quite an intense topic, but it's actually, they've turned it into a comedy. It's still quite heartfelt, but basically shows how she suffers with very sexual thoughts that are unwelcome. And it brings together a group of people that have similar mental health issues. And it somehow turns out to be really funny and you basically follow her journey I think you can really relate to it because we all probably have really weird thoughts sometimes but hers mm-hmm. just takes over her life completely it's really worth it if you want something light-hearted and they're only 30 minutes an episode so it's worth it I think and I watched the first episode of that yeah she's honestly so funny it's very yeah. dry humor but you just follow her life and how relieved she is when she finds out she can attribute it to obsessive compulsive mm. disorder so it's a bit of both like it, it really straddles sort of comedy and being a warm piece of work. Is it available on 4OD? It's available on 4OD, exactly, yeah. I think there's only six episodes, so it's really easy to get through. I just bashed through it this weekend, so definitely give it a go if you want something funny. Good. Nice to hear a comedy nice. recommendation from yes. Becky. Yeah. Well, you went to see Joker. I did, yeah. And I mean, I was really apprehensive and not sure what to think because obviously there's been so many mixed mm. reviews about it. But I think you need to just go into it not thinking about the negative reviews because I personally thought it was amazing. Like in Phoenix is incredible like such such a good actor and it was just like a different take I think to what people expected from the Joker and I'm not really into superhero films so maybe I didn't have that kind of preconception Mm. of it but I just thought it was a really interesting depiction of obviously someone who's got serious mental health issues and it is violent and it is gory and whatever but I didn't personally think that the the violence was gratuitous I just felt that it was like necessary Mm. at those points and I listened to an interesting kind of like review on it on YouTube of a guy who does lots of movie reviews and he said, I think why people feel uncomfortable with the violence is because people don't like to feel like they're perhaps identifying with someone who is depicted as evil or whatever. So it is very you know close to the bone. It makes you feel uncomfortable. It makes you feel a bit anxious, but I really enjoyed it. So I would say go and see it. Make your own decision. Desperate to go and see it, actually, I have to say. Is he really incredible in it? Like, Yeah, he's insane. Like, he's just... Yeah, you so believe the character that he is playing and it's creepy. It makes you feel so anxious and, oh, yeah, he's so, so good. I love him as an actor so anyway. I. When I watched him in Walk the Line, oh I've yeah. never been film. so obsessed with an yeah. actor in a film. The two of them, mm. the best yeah. thing I've ever seen when he played Johnny Cash. And in yeah. Her with Scarlett Hansen as well. Have you seen that? Oh Where it's set in like a kind of, sort, it's not really dystopic, but it's a futuristic world in which you like have weird relationships with robots. He's just <laughs> the most unbelievable actor. Yeah. Isn't he? And he's played so many different parts that are, you know, like romantic to the leading man yeah. to the 
evil guy and it just shows I think if you can play so many different mm. types of characters how good he is and also Heath Ledger's performance as the Joker is yeah. so legendary mm. like also the most chilling creepy thing yeah. ever yeah he was um, phenomenal yeah to follow that and make mm. it your own yeah, yeah lest we impressive. forget that Jared Leto has done it in the meantime like in the, <laughs> yeah. Jared Leto has done it in the interim but um, quite on the same part Heather <laughs> been up to her notch so I haven't been watching anything this week but in anticipation of his dark materials <gasps> which is starting in a couple of weeks time on the BBC and HBO I've been rereading the books from the beginning again so it starts on Sunday the 3rd of November yes it does that's the beginning of a two week holiday for me which means that I can't start watching it until mid-November and I've never read the books oh, you should. I've got oh, them all no. if you need so, to borrow thank you. them <laughs> so I, my plan is to take the opportunity to read all the books and then I can start it in mid-November so what's yeah. exactly yeah. that yeah. so Philip Pullman wrote the first book which was Northern Lights in 1995 I believe so I think I first read it probably in about 98 or 99 I read it when I was about 10 yeah they're children's books he's won lots of prizes for children's literature but adults can read them I'm rereading them now and I'm like did I understand all this when I was 10 because the language which is beautiful and it's you know fantasy but like Harry Potter and all those great mm. children's books it's all sort of rooted in reality so there's lots you can identify with so it's mainly centered on this girl called Lyra who's grown up in Oxford with loads of scholars and she just kind of runs around roams about she doesn't know who her parents are and Northern Lights kind of explains to her what her parentage was and that she's kind of the chosen one. What's the whole thing with the animals? So basically everyone, every human has a demon which is basically their soul I suppose but it's in animal form and it's kind of with them at all times and there's a large plotline that centers on the closeness of children and their demons and that's mm. it's strange to it doesn't sound very appealing no but people but i mean it's, it's philip pullman it's, it's mega it's, right it's yeah. amazing yeah it sounds very whimsical just in time for christmas, christmas. Mm. and the, the cast the is cast. amazing so yeah the cast has got lynn manuel miranda james mcavoy ruth wilson Anne marie Durf, james cosmo it's andrew scott oh, wow. like, yes oh. okay we sold anything with andrew scott in it. <laughs> exactly especially at the moment yes yeah, so so it's got a great cast because they did a film about seven years ago. It had Daniel Craig in and Nicole oh, the whole Kidman. Compass. Exactly. Oh, God, You're talking about. So they did that whole, you know, like Philosopher's Stones with the Harry oh, Potter thing. They then, instead of calling it Northern Lights, called this first film the Golden Compass. I did not know that that's what that no, was. But it was meant to be a trilogy, but I think it just was so it just bad. But it, again, yeah. that had a great cast. Yeah. But for whatever reason, they never made the subtle knife and mm. continued the trilogy. So mm. now it's going to be serialised for television. And it's HBO and the B kind of have come together to How do it. So you know it's very good. good. So I'm hoping Charlotte will be our sort of Game of Thrones yes. fix. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, I don't know where they're going to go with it because Philip Pullman's got his second Book of Dust book out at the moment that came out last week. And that's kind of a new set of books that are focused on the same story, but much further on when Lyra's a woman. Okay. So I don't know if they're going to continue mm. that later on once they've gone through all the series. Mm. Yeah, so basically I've got... Uh, five books to read even though I'm sure the series will just focus on the first one but yeah Charlotte I shall lend you every single have book. you read the first one I'm about 100 pages off so I'll finish it by tomorrow so yeah oh, all yours so quick yes, <laughs> thank you yeah, that's me hey it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith co-star of my upcoming film If only in theaters May 17th do you want to tell people the big news 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Charlotte, I haven't actually been watching anything, mm. but I have been to Paris over the last few days. Lovely. And I just want to give a shout out to a hotel that I've now stayed in for the second time, which is, you have to say it in a French accent, it but it's Hotel National Arts et Metiers, mm. and it's kind of adjacent to the Marais, so it's in the third, and it's a really chic boutique hotel. It was an amazing rooftop bar, it kind of spans the whole rooftop, you know, really well heated and um, mm. I've actually stayed there in the summer as well and it's just got the most amazing views of Paris you can see the Eiffel Tower like fully twinkling in the distance nice. Sacré Coeur it's, it's like you know in Moulin Rouge how Sacré Coeur is you know it, it's almost unreal how yeah. it, it kind of pans across the whole skyline and then there's just this big building illuminated that's how it looks from this rooftop and you can see the Pompidou and yeah it's just worth visiting for, for the upstairs bar alone but yeah great location very stylish good service so yeah I recommend it it's just lovely to be in Paris I love Paris yes. I'm due a trip I haven't yeah. been for a yeah. while I'm going, I'm going back between Christmas and New Year which is oh, such yeah. a nice time nice. to be there I'm so excited I've only yeah. ever been once and I tell you what I could have been anywhere because it was one of those press trips where you have sort of of, oh, really? I mean it was amazing oh, but you were shuffled all over the place but yeah. I think I forget it's so easy to get to it's so, so easy yeah. so easy for a quick trip and you were, I was there on a press trip and it was similar I didn't get to kind of wander Paris which mm. yeah it's a shame We I wish we'd had like a morning there or something yeah. to kind of just yeah. have a bit of our own time but anyway as I say I'm going back in, in a few weeks and it's something mm. to look forward to <laughs> So last week, the 2020 Michelin Guide was released, as it is every October, when we find out which restaurants across Great Britain and Ireland have received a new star to their name. So whether that's those becoming Michelin star for the first time or those being upgraded to two or three, there were some surprises in the mix this year, Heather, were there not? There were. So there's been many TV programmes about this. So I don't know if anyone's seen them over the years, but Manchester hasn't had a Michelin star for 40 years. And there's oh, been many wow. people who've been trying to get one. There was a TV programme on the Beeb a few years ago. It was when Simon Rogan of Reganic and Long Clume mm. opened up in the French, which is a hotel in Manchester. Manchester. He was there for three years and didn't manage. He's got many stars to his name, but it just didn't happen. Mm. And there was basically a few big name chefs from London and around went to Manchester like, right, we're going to get a star and just didn't. And yeah, this year, Manor in Manchester has won the first star. So everyone was Finally. really pleased. That, yeah, because it's, you know, big old city. It's got loads of yes. amazing restaurants. So it was about time it was honoured with something. So it's got quite Nordic inspired cuisine. And mm -hmm. I think... That was a hit with uh, the elusive Michelin inspectors. <laughs> mm -hmm. No one knows exactly what they're looking for. It's all quite a mystery. So even the people running these restaurants who've got stars of their own don't really know exactly what the criteria mm -hmm. is. No, I was going to ask that question, like, oh, what does one have to do? But how mysterious. Yeah, no one really knows. There's a big jump. So a restaurant can have one Michelin star, two or three. And there's only five in the UK that have got three stars. So they're quite hard to get. Can we name them? We can name them. <laughs> so there's uh, the Fat Duck in... 
in Bray, which is Heston Blumenthal. There's the Waterside Inn as well, which is also in Bray. There's Restaurant Gordon Ramsay in London and the Dorchester in London as well. And then this time, the Lecture Room and Library at Sketch has been awarded. Mm. Really? So there were only four. Yeah, there were only four. Week. And now there's five. And so the Lecture Room at Sketch being awarded a third star, yeah. right? It was on two before. Yeah, yeah. That's been the big controversy That's, as well, hasn't it? Yeah, I think you've been to I've that particular been, yeah. room. I haven't eaten there, but I think, you know, it's experimental. Yes, I went a while ago, so I can't fully remember what we ate. But I suppose if it's any comparison, I've also been to the Fat Dark and I can't remember what I ate there. Yes. And so I suppose it was just less memorable. All I remember it being was was a little weird. But it was about eight or nine years ago. And you said to me last week that actually the chef has changed in that the time. Chef, yeah, so perhaps it's, Yeah, it could be completely different. I think so. And also, so the controversy over that as well is that of the five, three stars, three of them are run by French chefs and two of them are run by, well, Heston and Gordon. You don't mm. even cook in those restaurants anyway. Yeah. So uh, I think lots of people sometimes throw shade at Michelin because they seem to reward French restaurants mm. or French-inspired mm. restaurants and French chefs right. more than others. So interesting. interesting. That's interesting. interesting. But anyway, away from that, yeah, there are loads of really interesting new ones that have got stars. So there's Daterra, which is in the Town Hall Hotel in Bethnal Green, which loads of people have been raving about this year. So I'm not surprised that that one's got one. Mm-hmm. One that I'm quite keen to go to is Penson's in Worcestershire. So that is Lee Westcott. So he used to have the typing room in yes. the town hall in Bethnal Green mm-hmm. and that had a Michelin star so now he's mm. cooking elsewhere and it's been open just under a year and he's managed to get a second star so that's interesting I was really pleased so at the moment I was just talking about the ones the 28 places that have got new stars obviously there are hundreds of other ones around the country who've retained but yeah two weeks ago I went to the Black Swan at Oldstead which is near York and that's retained its star for like the sixth year running so Ooh. That was incredible. And can you tell us, about, I'm so yeah. jealous that you went there. I remember <laughs> Giles Corrin doing a review a couple of months ago, the towards the beginning of the year, and he raved yeah, about it. Yeah, it's probably the best meal that I've had in recent memory. Mm. I can't think of anything else I've been to recently that's been as good. So it's run by Tommy Banks, who people might recognise from Great British Menu. He won the programme, you know, you can win a course, can't mm. you, on that? So he won it two years running about three and four years ago, mm. and now he's been elevated to one of the guest judges who comes and judges other people's food so his parents bought the pub about seven years ago he'd never cooked before but started kind of working away in the kitchen his parents run the farm that surround the pub so all the produce is grown by them the meat the vegetables they've got a huge kitchen garden which you can go and roam around and then his brother's head of front of house so it's very much a family Mm. affair it's in this tiny village called Oldstead and it's a really traditional looking pub so when you first go in it seems like you could just be in any old sort of village pub, although a really nice one, but it's just so relaxed, even though it's got a star. I can't remember friendlier service I've had anywhere. So you have a drink there to start with and then go up to this back restaurant where they have an 11-course tasting menu, so it's kind of that or nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Obviously, you don't know what you're going to have, but honestly, just everything was amazing. It's all yeah, Aww. locally sourced and just really interestingly done. What was the best thing you ate? I don't know. Yeah, this is the thing. It's, it's so, so hard. hard to remember these things, isn't it? Yeah, there's even one. It sounds really simple, but God knows what they did to it. But it was just like a sort of a small whole potato and they'd done something wondrous to it. <laughs> and it was in a sort of smoked celeriac sauce with a bit of caviar Ooh. on top oh. and some dill oil. But they'd just done so many things. Mm. To, it just tasted so much nicer than just, you know, Sometimes potato, like, dill and celeriac. Yeah, yeah. really simple stuff yeah. that's the best because you're like, this should taste so amazing. Yeah. 
yes, it's just how, a potato, but it's so lovely. Yeah, and like using similar ingredients, my they were three puddings, and my favourite one, they'd made this, again, a delicious pudding out of potato and celeriac. Oh, wow. So, yeah, there's like this potato custard, which was just like wow. the night, it was so sweet and sticky. How do they think of these things? Yeah, they sort of somehow melted down and caramelised the celeriac to make a sort of salted caramel sauce. Oh, like, wow. it, I just, I can't tell you how they did most God. things, but honestly, my boyfriend and I, who went, both don't like mushrooms at all, and we were there like, wow, like, even this like mushroom sauce with this mm. monkfish. He just manages to make everything taste Gorgeous. absolutely incredible. And presumably, it changes seasonally. It does, yeah. So even like within weeks, they change, mm-hmm. and you know they're always using. They make all their botanical sort of cocktails using mm-hmm. um, herbs and flowers that are grown in the garden, and it's so nice after the next mm. day because we stayed overnight, you can have, an, again, an amazing breakfast the next day mm. and then just go and wander around the kitchen garden and be like, oh, we ate that last oh, night. Oh, and we had that. So, yeah. It really makes me want to go. Honestly, I really, really want to go for my birthday. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's yeah. not cheap, obviously. Yeah, so what is it per head, do you know? So it depends when you go, obviously, but... If you book a room, you automatically get a table allocated in the restaurant and you get your breakfast as well. So a room tasting dinner and breakfast starts at 175 per person. I know that's expensive and that's a real treat, but there are a lot of restaurants where you would be paying that just for the dinner. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. and honestly, the breakfast is amazing as well. I feel like if you did get it for 175, that's very, very good value for what you get. Wow, okay, really good value actually. Bit of a trek from London, but it's totally worth it. You can get a direct train to York which is really easy and then it's probably easier to just get a taxi from York okay. and uh, that 25 minute drive mm, but yeah honestly great. I'm shocked it didn't get two stars it deserves two stars Hopefully, but also how brilliant. amazing is that you said that he's not even a trained chef going back to what yeah. you were saying before about the Michelin often kind of preferring French yes well perhaps that's why but still how refreshing to go somewhere where it's not all kind of fancy French fare exactly yeah mm. it's very simple ingredients yes. transformed into yeah this really really amazing food and Another outside of London destination that I have done like that is Sat Bains, which is in Nottingham, oh, yeah. which does have two stars. It I does think, have doesn't two, it? yeah. It's like an old converted farm almost. So I think there's only about six six or eight rooms. So the chef is Sat Bains, and yeah, there's a restaurant Sat, Sat Bains, and again, just outside Nottingham. And, and it's just lovely to know that you don't have to be based in London to go to, to that quality restaurant. I mean, Long Clume again, another yeah. example. But if you can make it an event where you can stay over, oh, yeah. um, it's so lovely that so many of these places do have rooms, isn't it? Becky, you were saying you visited somewhere on the list? I have. I was just scrolling down and I saw that the Oak Room at County Limerick at Adair Manor is on there. And my mum and I were really lucky enough to go on a press trip to Adair last year and it was beautiful. I mean, Ooh. I'd never been to Ireland before, so I think that was part of the charm. Yeah. But it is this incredible... Big country manor house, and it does the most amazing food. Similar to what you were saying, it's nothing out of the ordinary. It's like very good steak, or it's very well cooked fish. But everything is with produce from their gardens. It all feels really fresh. And then when they brought out pudding, they brought out these chocolates in this treasure chest, <laughs> and it just felt very, very special. And the place as a whole is beautiful if you ever get to go there I can't actually tell you how amazing it is big log fires super cosy is it on the coast it's near the coast but it also has beautiful 
lakes running through the grounds. So it is just like nowhere I've ever been in my life. Can you stay at the restaurant? You can stay, yeah. So it's all in the grounds, everything's there. And they've also got a slightly more relaxed vibe restaurant if you don't want to pay through the nose every night. So So you could stay for two nights as well. Oh God, you could stay for a week. It's beautiful. (laughs) God, I feel a mini break coming on. Culinary mini break. Mm -hmm. All right, well, for more information on all the restaurants that received a new Michelin star this month, then have a look at the piece on the site. We're going to talk about hair extensions now. We wrote a piece on the site about why they're back and how to get the look with the clip-in styles. So I know I was pretty addicted to clip-in extensions back in the day. Yeah, in my teenage (laughs) years. But it's not something I've considered as a grown-up. So, Becky, should we? I mean, I think it all comes down to personal preference. But what I would say is there are so many on the market now that have kind of been tailored to suit exactly what you're after, to really blend in with your hair type, that I think you shouldn't be afraid of it. You shouldn't think of it as something from the 90s that's going to, like, stick out and you're Mm going to have strands poking out. And I think the one key thing to really remember is if you're going to get them done even if it's clip-ins go to someone professionally and get them to just show you how to do it because there's no point trying to do it yourself Mm -hmm. first off obviously once you know then you can get cracking but I think it's good to have that sort of lesson and know how to make it look sleek and know the sort of tips you can pick up to make it work otherwise yeah it's going to look a bit dated and a bit tacky I remember having them like stuck to the top of my head (laughs) (laughs) you can see someone you'd be like your clip is literally You can still see that occasionally, I think, especially if people tie their hair up. Yeah, yes. you just see all the telltale sort of metal oh, clips, on, yeah. can't we? And also, has anything changed? In the, like, I dread to think where the ones that I used to wear come from. So what should you be looking for? Should you be looking for real hair? Are there better imitation styles out there now? Like, what should we be buying? I would say definitely. So a lot of brands now use Remy hair, which is real hair. Okay. That's just what that is called. So I would look out for that because synthetic will look fake. It's not going to look really natural mm-hmm. in your hair and it's going to splay and you can't take as good a care of them whereas with real hair you can still sort of I know it's a strange concept but you can still shampoo them you can still put oils on them to make sure that they blend in with the rest of your hair whereas synthetic is just never going to look the same Mm -hmm. so that is something to look for is Remy hair and actually clip-ins are said to be best for you because they don't pull or snag Mm -hmm. like you know some can be weaved in Clip-ins are far gentler because they don't restrict the growth mm. of your actual yeah. hair. And also the benefit is that you can kind of in and exactly. out style your hair I think once you you've had someone show you how to do it, mm-hmm. then the rest is history. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Okay, so any brands in particular that you would recommend? So Foxy Locks is worth looking at, as is Vixen and Blush. You can also find really good ones on Look Fantastic. They do a very good variety of very, you know, real blendable hair. And is it something you would try? Foxy Locks do this really cool ponytail one, which actually, I know it sounds a bit rogue, but I think when you're sort of, for a bit of drama or for something different and it's something you can take out after your night, that I would try day to day, no. Polly? I might be tempted actually because I've got quite fine hair less for the length but more for thickness mm-hmm. so like you said for an event or something yeah. I think I'd be tempted just to get a bit of volume or whatever and also my hair kind of because it's so thin when it gets to a certain length it just kind of looks a bit ratty and yeah, a bit so, so yeah. right I mean now, yeah. I might yeah I might be tempted to just kind of if I wanted to grow it long again and actually that is what extensions are more for now yeah. that is uh, definitely what yeah I think that's what brands are sort mm. of aiming at, at their customers more for thickness than length yeah. So that is definitely yeah. worth And you can get good ones. I think you just get put off, don't you, by, you know, seeing yeah. the really, like, tacky ones where you can yeah. see their bonds and stuff and it feels a bit, yeah, mm-hmm. Love Island. But, yeah, I think I would be tempted yeah. for sure. With the tapings, they sound really good and good for your hair and stuff, which is... And it's fun. It's a bit like what Lisa always says, isn't yeah. it? It's just, like, something to do to kind of mm. change your look up a bit. It's temporary. I think the only reason I wouldn't is because I am very low-maintenance day-to-day yeah. and I know I would get annoyed with it. Yeah. But it's very accessible. It's not like it's... Mm. Yeah, cost you loads either. And so it's quite nice to have a set, and yeah. then you could just go and have a blow dry with them in, yeah. and, and that's your job. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. What about real ones? Something you'd ever consider? It's high maintenance in that you have to get them done professionally, but they're low maintenance in the sense that then you just have them. How do you mean real? It's sorry, permanent. Like, yeah, per- oh, like permanent. permanent. Yeah. So that probably is something I would consider because, like, Polly, my hair is very fine. So if I had it in and I didn't have to worry about it, then yeah, I think. Mm-hmm. And actually, I have seen people in the beauty industry with them, beauty journalists, and they do look seamless in mm-hmm. terms of that you couldn't tell it's there. Yeah. And they stay put. And actually, a lot of celebrities have them. You just yeah. wouldn't realise. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a certain, like, look, isn't there, where you've got incredible, like, a mane. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's very rarely achieved without extensions. Yeah. So, mm, yeah, no, I like that. True. And I'm putting you on the spot, but are there any salons in particular that we should look out for who do them well? <laughs> in terms of where you can go, Vixen and Blush, as I said earlier, and also I believe Daniel Galvin. Okay, I okay. too. But even if you buy them, take them to your stylist and they will be able to show you what to do. Cool. Nice. Becky, let's talk now about foundation. What do we do? We polled our readers. We did. We did a survey and the readers have spoken on their favourite foundations. So we have 13 of the best foundations according to SL readers. And there's a whole range of price points, aren't there? They start from £5.70 and go all the way. I think the most expensive is £46. So there really is something for every budget so do you want to just run us through we don't have to talk about all of them but tell us which do you really rate on this list I must admit the readers have great taste there are some really good options Kevin O'Coin is at the top and I have to say as a brand it is an incredible brand for sort of luminous bases that aren't super cakey and it will last you 
forever. I'm wearing I mean, Cameo Coin today. Oh, are you? The bomb. Yeah, the thing you gave me. The yeah. foundation bomb. Yeah. yeah. Natural look. I mean, the brand is well known to be used by makeup artists regularly anyway, so it's not a surprise that this was in there. It always has five-star ratings across the board. With Kevin O'Coin's Skin Illuminating Foundation, it is just a really melty, buildable texture. So again, you can use as little or as much as you want. And does it come in a variety of colours? Yeah, it does. It comes in a variety of colours. And one that came up repeatedly from you guys is It Cosmetics CC Full Coverage Cream. Now, we're fans of this in the office anyway. I was say, this was one that of the list, I was like, oh, that's the one I want to try. Yeah, Lou loves it. And okay. so it's very full coverage, but without being, again, cakey. It's a very nice formula and it's got SPF 50. That was the appealing thing for me. <laughs> and I'm not sure I'm that familiar with It Cosmetics. What exactly is it? It Cosmetics is, uh, some of the formulas have been made with plastic surgeons as well. It is an incredible oh. brand. What I would say it's much bigger in the US. Okay, it's a state. It's a state brand, mm -hmm. yeah, exactly. But anybody that has tried it in the UK has been completely besotted by the brand. Oh, so where can you get it here? You can get it on Colt Beauty. You can also get it in Boots in certain stores. It's just a very accessible brand. And the price points really vary in the range generally, but this comes in at £31 and it's a CC, hides everything though. Redness, blotchiness, dark circles, but it just feels like you're wearing nothing. Wow. Okay, so it's not mm. cheap, but it sounds It's worth effective. it, yeah. Okay. Anything else? I'll let you pick a third, go on. Oh, <laughs> a third. Let's go for a more affordable one, okay. I think, is the Ordinaries Serum Foundation. Mm -hmm. Now, this is the £5.70 bargain. Mm -hmm. When this came out, it sold out straight away. Wow. And I think that is the power of the brand The Ordinary anyway. Mm -hmm. But it's got a watery texture that sweeps over the skin and you don't. it doesn't leave you with a heavy finish. It's got that sheer quality that you mm. love as well, Charlotte. Mm. And it's regularly described as lightweight, great coverage, broad range of shades and inexpensive. We always talk about finding the holy grail of lightweight and great coverage. Exactly. And yeah, how can you glow but still have really good coverage? And so I think like also if you don't spend loads on makeup, this is a great way of kind of dipping your toe, mm getting something that will last and just give you exactly what you want. It does what yeah. it says in the tin. Or even if you just want to try something different. You yeah. can't keep trying all the expensive ones all the time. Absolutely nice yeah. yeah. I was just going to ask, have you got any tips for buying? Because a lot of these, you can buy them on Cult Beauty or similar websites. Is it worth buying foundations, say if they're only available in the States or online, if you haven't actually tried them? Like, is, have you got any tips for trying to work out what shades you need. What you would be. That's a good question. I think that is a good question. I know what you mean, because if you can't test it anywhere and you're yeah. just ordering it on a whim, I think Cult Beauty is a good website in the sense that they sometimes do sort of shade matches. You can find it on websites as well now, mm -hmm. not on all of them, but it's worth going to really breaking down. And also Makeup Alley, the website is quite good. They basically do loads of reviews, but it's quite good for seeing really honest reviews and seeing what colours suit what textures. I'd say maybe that's the best way, okay. just really doing your research Makeup Alley Makeup Alley they're okay. sort of blogging website but it's very honest reviews and they talk about shades they talk about consistency they talk about everything but probably the easiest way is to go to the brand's website see if they do a shade matcher or even email them okay. I guess that is probably the best way with a picture of your mm. skin yeah that's cool. true Great. Why not email customer services yeah. yeah that's a good point what foundation <laughs> do you use Bully? well I kind of chop and change a little bit there's a couple on this list that I have used before so mm. the Giorgio Armani Luminous Silk mm. one I tried having got it from, I think, a beauty sale here. Oh. And it is expensive. It's £42. But when the bottle ended, I was like, God, I'm so upset about that. It's just so lovely. Like, again, the kind of enough coverage, but not feeling cakey in any way. Because I really find my pores get clogged too mm. easily. But just feels super glowy. 
and oh, so gorgeous. <laughs> and then I also use Clinique Even Better Glow quite yeah. a lot. That was a good one because they let you try out a sample, I think, for like 10 days worth to make sure you get on with it. And I definitely did get on with it. So mm-hmm. and that's actually not on this list, but there's another Clinique one on there that seems to be rave reviewed. So maybe I'll try that one next. Clinique foundations one? are um, very good, actually, just throwing that in there. I'm using one at the moment. And I have to say, if you want, I need a bit more coverage at this time of year and they are good mm. for full coverage. Yeah. That's the Clinique Beyond Perfecting foundation and concealer. Yes, so it's a two-in-one apparently, and I'm interested by that concept because I think it's just because it conceals under your base. Yeah, so just a bit of that. that is, yeah, you don't have to go in with yeah. concealer afterwards. Yeah, yeah. I always feel like I do have to go in with you know a bit more concealer under the eye mm-hmm. and on the chin <laughs> and stuff like that. But so I think that'd be next on my list to try. Okay. Mm. How did you wear foundation? Mm. Uh, yeah, so I usually use Max Face and Body Foundation. So Indian Knight wrote about it in the Sunday Times about six years ago. It was like. <laughs> the one thing that makeup artists always have in their bag apparently so it's true I yeah. like MAC stuff anyway mm. they work quite well for pale skin so yeah I went in and I've basically been using it ever since so nice. what do you say face and body so, so I think you can use I don't use it on my body at all but yeah. I suppose you can use it if you needed mm. to kind of conceal anything okay any it's blemishes good or... for sort of varicose veins spider yeah. veins it's, it's really good it's heavy quite duty. thick mm. yeah but you can shear it out yeah you? I don't use very much mm. of it because I spoke to Becky about it ages ago she was like oh that's really thick mm. and I was like oh because I don't plaster <laughs> it on no, but no I think it's quite watery mm-hmm. like some of the ones mentioned in here so you can kind of layer it mm. up quite easily and it blends very you easily no your skin looks amazing but I but I was like god it's no Subtle if you are. Yeah, I just like to use foundation and to kind of just mm. make me look a bit more awake. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I like my freckles now, so I just yeah, yeah. don't like to cover them up. Yeah, because yeah, we, we were talking about freckles mm. actually the other day and saying mm. by default my freckles yeah. get covered up yeah. because of foundation. Yeah. And I've got, I've got no problem with yeah. freckles. They're quite, yeah, quite yeah, like I quite them, like but them. they have to go. Yeah. They, they are collateral. They yeah, are. For all I feel like I just wear foundation less in the summer when I feel like my skin's got a bit more of a natural glow and actually. I've just started wearing foundation properly again because I feel like my summer tan has gone mm. my skin needs it a little yeah. bit so I think yeah during the summer you can let your, your freckles definitely yeah. or you could just bit. wear tinted moisturisers or something mm. so much lighter yeah, yeah. yeah. just like the coverage I'm yeah. afraid none of that works for me <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I've said this in podcast before but I use Estee Lauder Double Wear Light so oh, yeah. Estee Lauder Double Wear is their light yeah, isn't it yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah I use Double Wear Light which is the lighter version obviously and they used to do it in numbers but then they just continued the numbers and they brought in like a huge variety of shades which is obviously great that it matches more people but there isn't one that I particularly like so I blend two oh, yeah. um, so I wear a mix of tawny and fawn so which I think is somewhere between a two and a three of the old shades and they used to run from one to three but also I'm really obsessed at the moment with how to apply foundation yeah. and I've got really into properly wetting my beauty blender mm. and dabbing it all on it makes, and I feel it, makes a big difference. it makes such a big difference tools are oh, really? a thing I mean I speak to so many makeup artists that say use your fingers but I just cannot no. get on board with that. Mm, that's just, what I do. <laughs> oh no, I, but, but probably because you use a lighter colour, mm. whereas I'm like a similar skin tone to you, but mm. use a much darker colour. So therefore all you see is the mm. yeah. And also if you're going quite light coverage, like you probably are Heather, because yeah. you like to let your skin breathe, then you can afford to use your fingers. Mm. But I think when you really want to buff it in, yeah. you need yeah. some tools. Yeah. yeah, I agree. All right, well, for more of, I suppose it's your own recommendations, yes. for more of our Sherlock's reader recommendations on the best foundations to use, then have a look at the piece on the site. We all know that arguments are best avoided, but research shows that they can actually be healthy if done correctly. So we wrote a piece on how to disagree without actually falling out. 
our expert put together a list of the best ways to bring up difficult topics without a full-on fight breaking out. They included everything from considering the timing to being prepared and also paying attention to what the other person is saying. So I want to know, if you've got a difficult <laughs> subject to broach, how do you try and ensure it doesn't break into an argument, Polly? I mean, I hate confrontation, so I try to avoid arguments where possible, but sometimes they're sort of unavoidable, aren't they? So I think the way I try and go into a situation is try to be less accusatory, less attacking, because I think people will feel attacked when you tell them that you've done certain things, but I always try and say, oh, that made me feel a certain Mm -hmm, way, because they can't really argue with how you feel, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that makes them feel less attacked, Mm -hmm. I think, so I always just try and go in with like, oh, when you did that, that made me feel a little bit like whatever, and then hope for the best in that situation, and then I also (laughs) feel like the advice where people tell you not to sleep on an argument is rubbish, like sometimes you do need to sleep on something, maybe, you know, don't have a blazing row, but, you know, just recognize that perhaps you need a bit of time to just sleep because I always feel like you know after a bit of time you feel much calmer and then Mm -hmm. you'll be more prepared to go into a situation and be more level-headed so if you want to sleep on it then do it yeah (laughs) I couldn't agree more with that last point actually I think the one thing I always say to anyone or to myself if I'm thinking of saying something is to just wait yeah because I have knee-jerk reactions and I've really tried not in arguments, I'm not a feisty person really, but I will always try and stew it over before I go in, yeah. all guns blazing, because I think it's really important. And I think what you say straight off will be so different to what you say yeah. the next day mm-hmm. or within totally a couple agree. of hours. I think you really do need that time to just calm yourself down mm. and gather your thoughts. Yeah. Otherwise, you're more likely to regret it and end up more yeah. hurt than mm. the other person. <laughs> yeah. Another piece of advice that people often give is to not send things via text or mm-hmm. email or whatever. How do you feel about that, Heather? I'm like you, I'm not very confrontational. So I'm trying to think of the last time I no, felt argument. the need. But... I, I don't have arguments really, no. really no. ever with anyone. No. But sometimes you have to get something off your chest. I suppose yeah. the point of this is how do you do that yeah. without it escalating? I don't the other person point. feeling yeah. really attacked. Yeah. 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 I've definitely sent an email in the past and kind of had exchanges that way rather than face to face. If you've written something down and then take a step away and you can kind of edit it so mm. that you're not just like you say like mm. in the heat of an argument blurting something mm. out that yeah. you might not mean or yeah. you know you're reacting to something somebody said in the moment i don't think it's the worst thing in the world to do it over text i know that seems like a counterintuitive thing to say but i do think like writing things down allows you the kind of time to measure your thoughts mm. and what you want to say mm. and not just blurt things out in the heat of the moment so whilst I think you know if something is a serious issue that you need to address then it's best to have it kind mm. of like face to face but if it's just a kind of small disagreement then I don't think yeah there's much harm that, in that well I think it's part scaredy catness I mm. also hate confrontation yeah. and I'm rarely inclined to say anything to anyone's face like that but also because I don't fully trust myself not to get either mm. emotional or to not be able to exactly phrase what mm. yeah. it, you know it's quite nuanced when you're trying yeah. to explain to somebody something and, and you can get it wrong and you can stumble yeah. and you cannot get your point across whereas I feel like if you're writing it down maybe it depends on 
on what you know how confident you are in yeah. terms of expressing yourself on paper I suppose but yeah. I feel a lot more confident if I've got something contentious yeah. to say by putting it into a yeah. message personally. I think I agree with I that I think a message fine I think an email would be a bit impersonal mm. there's something about an email that feels a bit abrupt mm. and a bit like yeah. formal but I think text is fine and I think it depends on the argument slash confrontation mm. but I think a message will always be okay and also another thing I think it's how you approach people mm-hmm. I mean it's similar to what you said Polly but I think the way you talk to people can make such a difference mm. into the outcome like you can't go in with mm. a really nasty attitude it has to be fair and it has to be adult really mm. I think that's one of the biggest tips obviously there are situations where things can be achieved by saying something and then there are other situations which I feel like are more common when there's nothing that can be achieved mm. other than an I'm sorry mm-hmm. perhaps but you still feel the need to say something how often do you act on that I really struggle if I'm upset with Mm. something only like really upset Mm -hmm. but to not say something how often do you actually go in and say you know what I'm actually gonna confront this a little bit even if it's in a gentle way because I can't live with this on my chest those occasions are pretty rare aren't they where you feel like I really feel like our friendship or our relationship is going to struggle and going to have some kind of like elephant in the room if I don't bring this up Mm. I think those occasions are pretty unusual and I don't think I've had like a serious confrontation with someone in Mm. quite a long time you wouldn't just if you have something where you're like it doesn't have to necessarily be something that's deadly serious serious, but where you're just like god that was really wrong or like that really upset me or that really irritated me yeah how often do you think you actually act on that or do you just kind of go away and lick your wounds no i I think it very much depends on the situation i think there have been definitely times where i've licked my wounds and gone away from Mm. it but i would say if it's someone very close to me i would act on it Mm. definitely because I think otherwise that builds up resentment. I think people that are closer to me definitely would take it up with. Mm. Otherwise, it just builds and builds and you're eventually going to outburst and say something, so why not just knock it on the head? But, like, mm. is there any point, Heather? Like, do you, what do you gain from doing that? I don't know. I'm struggling with this topic a bit because I'm really not a very argumentative person, so I'm just trying to... I'm really trying to think of like, I'm certainly not argumentative, no. but I also am quite sensitive, so mm. if somebody has upset me, I find it quite difficult just to brush it off and not say mm. something. Yeah. yeah, no, I hear, I think, yeah, I just internalise everything yeah. and don't <laughs> say anything is basically my coping technique which is Mm. not a very good one Mm. I'm sure especially according to this piece I think yeah if something needed to be said I'd definitely Mm. do it but yeah I'd plan it and kind of pick the right moment and Mm. take my time and kind of think about what I'd want to say rather than I don't think I'd lash out in the moment I think scenario wise this is just made up if you haven't been invited to something Mm. that I could let gloss over but if it was something that had affected me directly or somebody had said something or Harry had pissed me off Mm. (laughs) I would bring it up I think it's really hard to pinpoint because it very much depends on the person it very much depends on the situation I actually think I tend to let things go much more with Ben than I do with anybody else me too Harry gets away with murder because (laughs) I think otherwise it can be quite a slippery slope of nitpicking yeah I often bite my tongue because I don't want a relationship you know that would be the easiest the first person Mm. who you could constantly be like this upset me or this irritated me and actually you could just fall into a cycle where that's all you do and you're just having a and go at each other I want to like create like a positive yeah, relationship yeah, that's yeah. nice but I think also if I had a problem with Harry it would very much be a bit like look that really annoyed me can you not do it again it yeah, would just be yeah. a straight out chat yeah. it wouldn't need to be a big deal no it's true okay well for more tips on how to navigate disagreeing without arguing then have a look at the piece on the site Okay, we're going to finish by talking about some fashion now. We're going to talk about how to style a hoodie 
Now, this is a question that we get asked loads, don't we, Polly? Do. Um, the question that people ask us for the most part is how to make a hoodie look smarter. Polly, what, mm. what would be your number one tip? Well, I think it's just all about balance, isn't it? And making sure that... Because obviously a hoodie is a traditionally quite a relaxed mm. and very casual piece but if you do want to make it look dressier then you just have to make sure the rest of your outfit is quite smart so you might want to wear that with a pair of you know smart work trousers and a pair of loafers and a nice like trench coat or something and then that obviously by itself is quite dressy but if you want that kind of elusive relaxed cool look then putting a hoodie under your coat is just going to make it feel a bit more maybe weekend appropriate Mm -hmm. so yeah it's all just about I think balancing out the hoodie with some smarter elements. I think so too. So my tip is to style it with more fashiony pieces. So I think that you could go really wrong putting a hoodie with more like quote unquote norm core pieces. Mm. So don't wear a hoodie with skinny jeans and biker boots Mm -hmm. or skinny jeans and trainers or leather skinnies and trainers. I think you'll find that you look a bit dated in that look. So it's all about taking just a really simple hoodie and adding some more modern elements. And that's what I think elevates it a bit. So whether that's like the bourgeois trend that we talked about last week and adding kind of a midi skirt and some leather boots or whether it's as you said Polly adding a tapered trouser and and a pointed flat shoe I think you just need to imagine that the hoodie is the ordinary anchor to your Mm -hmm. outfit and then kind of dress up a bit around it Mm. and my other tip is also to layer it with a smarter feature so as you said with like a trench Mm. or a blazer so I think you can basically underneath it you hardly see it and then you just get the hood poking out and that just adds a kind mm. of oh she's cool yeah. touch to whatever you're wearing mm-hmm. if yeah. you know what I mean yeah I love um, that is that look you guys would go for obviously guys <laughs> <laughs> I love a slouchy jumper I've just seen the one at the bottom a hoodie and a dress is that yeah. Like? yeah well I guess it just looks like a skirt, um, and the blazer. So you just layer it over the dress yeah but yeah I love the idea of wearing a hoodie with a blazer to me that just absolutely screams to me and I love that, that stories one that is at the bottom in that outfit is just so sublime because it's like a knitted one. Mm. Yeah, you need to just buy this because you're. I so know. I keep going on about it, but I'm just like, oh, it's seventy five oh, pounds. Me too, Polly. Um, I had that in my basket for ages, but I couldn't justify it. It is a lovely, lovely jumper, but I mean, if you do want a slightly cooler one that's like not your traditional one, a bit mm. more elevated, then that one's good. I think I was gonna say, I think it is a bit smarter. So if you're looking for a kind of hybrid, mm. then then those knitted ones are good. I think yeah. H and M have some as well. Don't yeah, H and M do pretty very sure. Ones. Yeah. Heather, is that look you go for? I, I really like this. all these outfit ideas. Ideas, but I just think I'd look a bit like, you know, Joey in Friends when he wears all the clothes. But there's too many layers for me. I think A, I'd be very warm, and B, I'd just think I'd look a bit rotund if I was <laughs> suddenly wearing all these layers. I but like I like that. the look. I think all of these outfit options, listeners, have a look, because honestly, they're great. But yeah, I can just picture them all together now and just think they look bloody brilliant. Yeah. So, so much. I, no, I like the idea. There was some it. good inspo out there as well, if you just mm. kind of quick search mm. on Pinterest. Mm. Hoodies, street style, that's what I would go for. <laughs> all right, I think that's just about all we've got time for this week please do send any feedback you have to podcast at sheerlux.com we love hearing from you don't forget also to rate review subscribe and tell your friends bye-bye